Hello, this is a message for those of you who are listening to the podcast and have a baby or a child between the ages of 0 and 11. Even today, only 9 in 100 FTSE 100 CEOs are women and most sectors' leadership looks very similar. A big factor is that so many people's careers, especially mums, seem to be plateauing when they have children and when they want to enjoy those, those children as well. If you share my belief that caring responsibilities should not exclude you from becoming a senior director or even a CEO in a way that works for you, and if you want to be present with your children at the same time, then I would love to see your application to the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme. You'll join a group of parents who feel the same as you, who are passionate about their career progression, but also passionate about their children. You'll participate in a structured nine-month program designed to give you the courage and tools to progress your career and also make sure that you can set your boundaries and feel not guilty about the fact that you want to be with your child. You'll connect with an amazing group of men and women, uh, all with young kids, and of course with your personal senior leader mentor as part of the cross-sector fellowship program. Applications close on the 7th of March. Details are on the website leadersplus.org.uk forward slash cross-sector fellowship. Any questions, let me know. Thank you for letting me insert this brief message into the usual podcast rhythm. I always find that when people have listened to the podcast, they usually, you know, they're quite often applying for the right reasons and they're the type of people that we want to have as part of the fellowship. So, yeah, if you want to apply, then the time is now. And there is a hardship fund available for those of you who need financial support. And if you're not eligible, but you need support on how to convince your employer, my colleague Joe can help with that as well. So, yeah, any questions, just get in touch. Thank you for listening to this. But even as a couple, we suddenly started facing assumptions about who would be doing the main part of the childcare. And then, of course, with the you know, people at work, they so many people assumed that I would be going part time, that I would now take the foot off the pedal. And that really, really annoyed me so much. And I just suddenly felt like, am I the only person who is so crazy to, you know, crazy is the wrong word, but is so ambitious in her career and then still wants young children? Welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast. My name is Verena Hefti, and I believe that no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For far too long, brilliant people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children. And that leads to gender inequality and the same stale, mostly male, middle-class people leading our organizations. We must change this. And I hope that many of you listening to this podcast will progress to the most senior leadership roles possible, where you make decisions that make our world a better place. Thank you for listening. Beyond the podcast, I am the CEO and founder of the social enterprise Leaders Plus. You can find out all about our work on the website and the best way to be kept in touch with things is the newsletter on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter. In this episode, the tables are turned. Leaders Plus fellow Gemma Pitai interviews me very skillfully and we talk about workload management, equal career progression that works for everyone and how to network when you don't have time. Let me know what you think about this episode. I generally, when I started recording it, I was very nervous. It's much more unnerving to be the guest rather than the 
interviewer. So yeah, do let me know if you enjoyed this format and if you'd like more of it. Thank you for listening. I'm Gemma. I was a Leaders Plus Fellow in 2020. At the time, I was pregnant with my daughter, Eva. She's now two and a half. Time flies when you're having fun. And I have a son who's now also almost 10. 2020, it was an extraordinary year, I think, for the fellowship. It's when COVID all started and when, I guess, Leaders Plus went online for the first time as well. And so I think not only, you know, the professional coaching we received, that was amazing for us to, you know, support us thinking about how we would progress our career. But for myself and I think my other, the group I was in, the other cohorts would say as well that we became really close because, you know, what was going on with COVID and everything else. I mean, we weren't, I would say, you know, it turned not just about kind of working out how we would talk about progressing our careers but it was like trying to hang on to our careers while learning how to homeschool and kind of we shared our experiences so I think for us because of that year it made us really close and we still connect now and you know go to each other for support so that's something that was amazing for myself to get from the program. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that and I, I think it is actually quite important that you said like the first step was not to give up or not not to lose yes. your careers because I think that is probably the first step and sometimes organizations get that part wrong so then you can't even talk about having equality in senior leadership because women and men who do share parental leave just leave at that stage when the kids are very young and when it is just so hard so it's both that being staying but then also progressing that we need to look at ethic and you've done really well I think on both parts. Yeah, so it's been great since I've been back to work. So I'm very happy where I am now and, yeah, even happier. So I've had that network. Well, I still do. So, yeah, no, all good. <laughs> I realised you were in the same group with Suhana. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Nice. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we did. We had a good group and, yeah, close net one. So that was really helpful. So, yeah, so I suppose now I have your attention one-to-one. -one. I've shared my experience, you know, what I got out from Leaders Plus. So I guess I would just like to know more about what got you interested in the topic of equal career progression and, you know, ultimately made you to use Leaders Plus, create it as a forum for driving change and the amazing success it is today. Mm -hmm. I think it really was an act of desperation. I would say. And it was also an act of shock. So I, I'm ashamed to say that I don't think I would have called myself a feminist eight years ago. I mean, I wasn't, I was all for gender equality, of course, but I wouldn't have thought that I would face a challenge with equality because I'm quite a privileged middle-class woman from Switzerland, which is one of the most privileged countries in the world. So I was really shocked when I got pregnant with my first child. And I think I have told you this before. I suddenly was so, so, so surprised with how people's response to me were so different and how people in my, both in my family, my friend networks were assuming that I should be sticking like to this role that to me seemed very old fashioned. Yeah. And even as a couple, again, my partner doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can say, but even as a couple, we suddenly started facing assumptions about who would be doing the main part of the childcare and then of course with the you know people at work they so many people assumed that I would be going part-time that I would now take the foot off the pedal and that really really annoyed me so much and I just suddenly felt like am I the only person who is so crazy to 
you know, crazy is the wrong word, but is so ambitious in her career and then still wants young children. And actually people gave me that feedback as well. I was actively told several times that they were surprised to have to children, I wanted children because clearly I was a workaholic. I, oh, I was wow. actually told this. I mean, I didn't suffer so much from that. Yeah. That wasn't, it was true. I was a workaholic. <laughs> but just this idea that either you can be a workaholic and I, I don't think we should be a workaholic. I'm not one anymore. Or you have children. I think this is such a bad thing. And so that's why I sought out in the first instance, a group of role models, which is why I've got together some really inspirational leaders and convinced my lovely MP at the time to host us in the House of Commons. And yeah, that was the start. And then I realised I was going to go back to my employer or originally, that was the plan. But I realised it was a real demand and I've always dreamt of doing something entrepreneurial. Yeah. So that's how it started. That's where it all started. Excellent. And I suppose going through that, did that make you reassess what kind of a successful career progression or a successful career is to you? Did you think about things differently? No, I think I still have the same idea of for me personally Mm -hmm. I want my career to I want to be in a senior role in a large organization I want to continue to grow leaders plus to make more of an impact I want to have a purpose-driven role so that was the same but then Mm -hmm. I think from a more societal perspective I realized we need to have more gender equality around that having children element and we need to make sure that mothers particularly are supported to get to senior roles because I think that's where so many people just get stuck and don't progress anymore. And we need to change that. We need to make sure organizations and society support people who have children to progress to senior levels. Otherwise, we're never going to get to that equal place. And what does that equal career progression look like for you then? I think it would be amazing, obviously, if you look at organizations in traditionally quite male-dominated environments, let's say engineering, Mm -hmm. And that they are generally 50-50-ish at that senior level. And also that both men and women at that executive director, director level, that they are happy. I know that sounds a bit cheesy, but I think Mm -hmm. there is something about trying, like living a life that you are happy with, where you can maintain friendships, you can maintain your relationship with your children and be at that senior level. So I think that's the end outcome. And then it's about how we get there. And so what do you think are the main barriers to actually achieving that? Like in your experience, because you've worked, you know, with so many people from different organizations, there must be some things that come up time and time again. Mm. You know what? You sent me that question in advance and I found it so hard to distill Like, what is the main barrier? But I hate it when people say, well, there are lots of factors. So (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll try. Anyways, I think the main barrier is that the policies and processes are engineered for a stereotypical male in the 1970s with a breadwinner role who is at ease with finding visibility, who likes to self-promote. I'm talking here about the stereotype, not an actual real person. Yeah. And I think that is the root cause. And then the more practical thing is sometimes organizations just aren't able to get momentum to drive that change. So they might start a bit of a gender network at one edge and then at another edge they might have a a round table on international women's day and then they Mm. might also tweak their maternity policy but there's nothing that changes that momentum and makes the organization a completely different place within a couple of years so what could they do then because so many organizations as well do include those bits what is it that they're missing to make that momentum i actually just a couple of days ago read a really interesting study by deloitte 
That's it. If you do promote a woman to executive director level, and that's in the financial services, it will help three other women to get to the level below. Now, that I'm sure that's simplified and you could probably do lots of more research into this. But I think having a group of people who are a bit like rebels in a positive way, so they stick within the system, but they do progress to those senior roles in mm. a way that works for them. So they don't completely adapt to the systems and processes. So maybe they do work part-time in an organization that is full of full-time engineers, for example. I think yeah. if they then become that group of change makers, I've, I have seen a tipping point. And I think the other thing is if you do have the discussion within the senior groups, I know it sounds very basic, but there's an organization I know of who brought people into one room, very senior people, and just let them hear the stories of women about how they've experienced working for that organization. And those stories were recorded. So nobody knew who those people were. But just sharing the facts and then having the conversation, I think, is very is a really powerful start to get the momentum. And it has to involve the senior leaders. So whatever you do, let's say you set up a parent network or something, you do have to have a conversation with senior leaders. And that has to sometimes be a really honest conversation. Yeah, I suppose it's about getting those role models. And I think that was the one thing as well that stood out with me for Leaders Plus, because you heard from different perspectives, like no one's person's experience or career was the same as another person's because it might not work for them. It's like showing that actually you don't have to choose. You don't have to sacrifice something. You just need to set out what you want and you can actually make that happen. And it was having that network, those senior leaders, those mentors that kind of provided, you know, those role models. But then that comes back to the organization. So, yes, that can make the change. And as we said, we experienced that in Leaders Plus. But how do you get them there in the first place? There are some things about changing an imperfect world. So, for example, many organizations nowadays have high potential lists. Mm -hmm. And some of the criteria to get onto those high potential lists make it harder. So sometimes you have to take on extra projects or you need to be behaving in a certain way, seeking out visibility. And mm -hmm. so if you, again, I'm stereotypically summarizing yep. here, but if you've been socialized to hold back as some women have and to be demure, again, I'm exaggerating, then it's much harder to get onto those high potential lists. So even that's a really simple thing to revisit and to see if there's a way that you can do it so that it is inclusive of all behaviors and actually also across the globe, because there's some cultures that do welcome and encourage self-promotion. And then if you go to Denmark or, yeah. you know, in the Far East, it's not such a positive thing. And the other thing to think about is we have to acknowledge that it's not the leadership skills that people are missing at all. It really, I think so many parents have wonderful leadership skills, not least because of the negotiations they have to do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But it is about the career progression skills. And so just acknowledging that the research tells us having a sponsor makes it more likely for you to progress their careers. And then actually looking at the data, who says in the organization that they have a sponsor? How many of those people are men? How many of those people are women? And then if it is mainly men who do have those sponsors, how do you engineer opportunities for people who are underrepresented in leadership to get sponsors? And I think there's a bit of education as well. So not to summarize the fellowship, but we did talk a lot about what does cause career progression. And for example, this concept of outside by Erminia Barra about making sure that you're on top of the trends outside of the organization rather than just focus on the inside. 
those are skills to have. And unless you're part of the old boys networks, in quotation mark, you don't necessarily get that. Right. And yeah. I think so with Leaders Plus, we do look at that. And I'm sure there are other ways of giving people those skills to progress in an environment. But it starts with just acknowledging that the environment is in not in a particular organization, in all organizations, even the most touchy feeling charities, you do have certain things that lead to career progression. And those things are very often not geared towards women and men who have to leave at five o'clock to pick up their nursery and therefore can't go to the networking event in the evening. Yeah, no, that's true. I think that if you do Google it, you do find that there are quite a few female leadership development programs out there that, you know, you could register for or join. So the fact that they're all out there, you know, how come they're not? Well, I mean, that's making an assumption. Maybe they are. But I'm thinking, well, how come they haven't made a big impact on changing the way women behave in work? What do you think about those? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. I thought it'd be an interesting question to discuss, but actually the fact is they haven't achieved the equality. And I think some leadership programs are a bit of a cop-out because they teach that how to be listening nicely and how to have a vision and all those things. And they're not necessarily the things that will lead to career progression. It's other elements, the type of sponsorship, the type of networking, the type of way how you position yourself. Mm. So I do know that there are some development programs that don't necessarily impact. And then it's a two-sided sword. If you are a training provider and you try to get business from a partner, then of course, you know, you need to be, how much yeah. do you want to measure whether or not those people then progress? I don't know about the, you know, detail other training programs, but I think that is something really important um, to make sure that the impact is measured and how many people do get promoted within X amount of time after completing it. So if, by the way, on a side note, if someone is listening and thinking about the training program, definitely, definitely, before you sign up, check what's the outcome for most people as a result of that program. And then the other thing is that we sometimes do give people support to get promoted, but then we don't give them support to stay there, which is also an important one. And sometimes organizations do have challenges with workload, and that seems to be a big thing I'm hearing a lot from parents, that workload is a reason why they're pondering leaving the workforce and that again is a skill set of course we're all busy the most exciting organizations are the ambitious ones and the most high performing people usually want to work for those ambitious ones but we need to be better at managing that workload i think but how can you do that without kind of setting it so that it looks like okay well if you're a parent we'll give you a less workload than someone who isn't a parent which obviously is unfair and that's unequal you mm. know in itself how do you change that without kind of looking like you're making an imbalance yourself i'm so pleased you said that so so if you wanted to improve how people feel about their workload it's very important not just to do that for parents and sometimes it's behaviors so i think just I'm sure people listening some of you will know this but first of all have a look at what outcomes a job is required to deliver and then cut down the outcomes if you go from let's say five days a week to three days a week um, that's a very practical thing of doing it and many line managers aren't trained to do that the other thing to look at is i mean there are tons of productivity coaches out there but what type of behaviors are we doing and what type of behaviors are line managers encouraging that lead to really intense workloads and then also what can you do yourself i'm sure we're all working all the time on our mm. workload management and there are definitely ways to do the same job in a way that is less feels less like you're running all the time. Yeah. 
but I think we don't talk about it so much. And it's almost when you are complaining about your workload, first of all, it's perceived as complaining. So that's a problem. But also we need to just name it and then find solutions to it and find solutions for everyone. But personally as well, you know, if you are in that heavy workload, you have your head down. So you don't have that time to have that thinking space to actually think, oh, actually, this isn't very healthy. I need to have that conversation to adjust it. So what advice would you give to someone if they're kind of in that moment, having that heavy workload, but they don't know how to lift their head up and change it? It's a great point. So you're training as a coach. I would say get a coach is a good starting point, but let's say you can't do that and that's a big uh, off. It's different for different people. I'll just share what works for me. Mm-hmm. And so obviously in a role of a social entrepreneur, I have a lot of accountabilities. I'm quite ambitious and also I'm a number of work streams and there's never enough time in a day to deliver any, everything. And my inbox is never empty. So what helps for me is the discipline to be extremely focused on planning how I'm spending my time that week and then holding myself to accountable to it. And I'm more of a happy-go-lucky person. I'm quite intuitive. I like to get stuff done. I love to work hard. I was actually challenged by a coach to do that and I really resisted it. I, I was arguing with him about half an hour why for me that was impossible to do and that my role was completely unique. <laughs> and I'm glad I don't coach you. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sure you'd be, you'd be much more. <laughs> Anyways, as a result of that ar- slight argument, I then did agree to give it my full, and I think you do have to really try it intentionally and not just say I'll give it a go, to have, so for example, every week at the beginning of my week, I do have half an hour of planning time, then I do what? And I have 15 minutes at the beginning of each day. I know it sounds so basic, but to schedule exactly what I do when. And also my diary, this is very detailed and probably not interesting, but my diary is now color-coded according to my objectives. So I have objectives about what I deliver, i.e. outcomes, and it's color-coded. So maybe on a on a Wednesday is my program day. So there's an hour about adding value to content and there's an hour and a half to contribute to a session delivery. And of course, I don't always do that on a Wednesday at all. I'm still doing mm. quite a bit of reactive work. But I notice it if in one week, all I'm doing is yellow, which is to do with marketing. And again, that works for me. It's not going to work for everyone. And you probably do need some coach or some training program by your employer to look at that workload. But I'm just sharing yeah. what has, um, has worked for me. And how do you juggle it, though? So say the unexpected happens or something comes in, if you have something plans you know so set like throughout the day obviously when something unexpected happens it puts everything off how do you make sure that you then get back on track so i just know that it's something that is part of the job and i don't sweat about it but Mm. and i also i haven't done this yet but i've even been thinking about allowing myself specifically certain times in the day where as a certain times in the week where i'm allowed to stay late and then i don't Mm -hmm. feel bad But I think when I don't, when I do get thrown, there is something about, so for example, today, I did have certain things I wanted to do linked to our NHS program. And they're not urgent, but long-term quite important. An email came in asking me to do quite complex piece of work, do it today. And I I know in the past, I would have felt much worse about not doing that. And that email still sits in my inbox and I haven't done anything about it. Mm. But I know that there's always stuff that doesn't isn't going to get done. But basically, I have now done what I know is important for my long term outcome rather than doing that thing. 
I'm not saying it's easy or it's always clean. It really isn't. And absolutely, I also struggle with workload and funders are asking me for reports and they haven't been done. So that happens, of course. But I really, I feel like I'm a reformed person. I thought it wasn't possible. And it it really does. um, It is possible. And for me, it was a learning and development experience. Yeah. Brilliant. No, that sounds good. So I guess we got on to workload because we were talking about, you know, how to help support that gender equality and help parents within the workplace. So I guess, are there any other practical tips? And I'm going to let you have more than one, actually. I was only going to let you have one because your tips are really good, actually. I'm finding them useful. So are there any practical tips that, you know, anyone could do, could take just to work towards supporting an environment where either themselves or those they work with, you know, do have children and still want to progress their careers? You mean from an organizational perspective or an individual? An individual, but will ultimately, if all those individuals did it, it would make that change within an organization. But no, it's not talking about what the organization could implement, just what could an individual do themselves? So the most basic thing but it takes discipline is to make sure that career development is in every conversation that you have with your line manager that is a formal conversation so an appraisal a return to work conversation anything like that it doesn't need to be more than a sentence just saying i'm still so excited about the opportunity at this organization and i can't wait to see what i will be doing in three or five years time even that sentence is enough to remind you and your counterpart that you are still interested in that. So I think that's the most important step. And then the second most important step is to make sure that you have a support network. So if you happen to have a partner, make sure that they are on board with your long-term vision for your career. If you are a solo parent and you have family nearby, and not everybody does, make sure that you have had conversations about what you want to do. And then the third simple thing I think that can be very transformative is obviously just an aside, like you have to do a lot of work on how to set boundaries effectively and all that. That goes without saying on the Leaders Plus website, you can find some tools. But I think it will be very helpful for you to identify what type of things you might want to say yes to when they come, whether that's next year or in two or three years time, just to make sure that you're open to stuff that might happen. So it could be that you say yes to being ask to interview someone on a podcast or a media opportunity if that fits you. I'm I'm sure you don't want to be a radio host in the long term, but let's say that was your long-term aim. That so in your mind that you were you know what you want to say yes to. Find again for me that's been very transformative. So because of that, I usually don't even open random emails, but now I do open any emails that are linked to scale and growth. Even though I'm very, very efficient usually I, I actually I tell you a funny thing. My partner always used to forward them to me because he also runs a social enterprise in the mental health space, completely different, Mm. but a similar size. And he used to forward them to me. And then I realized, well, actually, I need to prioritize that element and being open to that element of a random newsletter, which usually I just don't open. Ah, that's interesting. Going back as well, you mentioned networks. And I guess, and for some people, they do have great networks and they're really good at building them. And you can see the difference in that. But Do you have any advice on actually how to go about finding a network if it doesn't come easy to you and, you know, maybe you're a bit lost and you just don't know where to start? Yeah. So 
I was the person who didn't find it easy. And I still I can't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) So honestly, even now when I go to a networking event and I have set myself a target to go to one one a month. So if you hear that, you know, do invite me. I used to find it so difficult and I still don't enjoy networking. I enjoy having meaningful conversations. Mm -hmm. And a really simple thing for me that has worked is to identify a problem that you're thinking about a lot and then Mm -hmm. to schedule calls or lunches or even book clubs around those problems, as in problems or issues, things that you're grappling with. And that can be quite powerful. So if someone is listening to this, you're probably a parent, you might find it tricky to balance life and career. So a simple thing to do would be just to invite parents from the organization around the lunch about sharing things that have worked for you to combine careers and young children. Very simple thing, but you've already started making a, a network. And the other thing, just if you go to any event, we don't have a lot of time. So if you go to an event, make the most of it. Make sure that you introduce yourself to the speaker and also make sure that you do ask a question if it's a panel style event, because then everyone else knows you and they feel a bit more at ease to link up with you. And so right. all you need to do after is during the wine and canapés is just stand there and people will come <laughs> to you because you ask the question. <laughs> That's a good top tip. <laughs> no, brilliant. That's been really helpful. I found that so useful. But I think the tricky bit, if we think about career progression, is that you often want to hang out with people who look and sound like you. And mm. that's not good because then you exclude people who don't look and sound like you. But also, if we look to the senior director level, on average, they're more likely to be male, white, middle class. So I would say if you go to one event in the next fortnight anyways, or if you go to a meeting, try to have a conversation about something interesting for you with someone who is different from you. That's really good top tip. I will make sure I do that actually. Thank you. Well, I have, I'm all out of questions, but it's been really great speaking with you. Lovely. Nice to speak to you as well. I really want to turn the tables, but I promised not to. (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) So I will uh, will stick to that. But thank you so much for doing that, Gemma. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast and you think a non-judgmental community of support would be really helpful to you, then I would love to hear from you as an application to the Leaders Plus Fellowship Program. As you know, probably this is designed to help you to identify where you want your career to head and will give you lots of support and encouragement along the way. And then most importantly, to help you make it possible to get there practically whilst being present with your family in whatever way you want that to be. Previous fellows have said it made them take really courageous steps that they never thought possible and also that they made lifelong friends and connections. In our last cohort, more than half have got promoted or got additional senior responsibility by the end of the program. And that's particularly impressive because most of them work part time or flexibly. Plus, I think they've all got quite mavericky in a good way. They're all involved in some shape or form of driving wider change for working parents, be that mentoring other parents, be that changing policy in their organizations, whatever fits at that moment in their lives. It only takes about half a day a week. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that would be a lot. Half a day a month. So I think it's more than doable. It's been designed with parents in mind. You can find all the details on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash cross-sector fellowship. The application deadline for this upcoming cross-sector cohort is 7th of March. And also, if you want us to talk to your employer, to your organization about offering this, 
to their employees, i.e. you, then let me know and my colleague Joe or I can have a conversation with them. My email is verena at leadersplus.org.uk. On a completely unrelated note, I also feel passionate about gender equality in podcasting and I've recently learned that the top, you know, 100 podcasts, etc., is extremely male-dominated, I think 90% male-dominated or something like that, depending on what's that you look at. And I thought that needs to change urgently. So if you want to help and <laughs> push forward female-led podcasts, then first of all, listen and share female-led podcasts. And if you think this podcast is, is good and useful, then also do share that, leave reviews and do all those things that increases the algorithm's prominence. So yeah, for example, a WhatsApp or signal message to some friends with a link to the podcast is always very welcome and very helpful. And hopefully it will help us smash this particular glass ceiling in the podcast world. See you next week and thank you so much for your support.